Hello and welcome to Taxpayer Talk. Today we are joined by Kiwi motorsport champion and road safety advocate, Greg Murphy. Thanks for joining us, Greg. Hey, thanks, Lou. Appreciate the time. We're very happy to have you on. Now, before we get into the Road to Zero campaign, could you tell us how you went from racing Bathurst to becoming interested and vocal in issues of road safety and speed limits? Yeah, listen, it, it started quite a long time ago. Um, it, oh, listen, it, it's probably more than 12 years. Uh, it would be back in 2000s probably. Um, I started to get... Uh, contacted by New Zealand media asking for um, comment around our road toll and uh, what I thought, you know, was potentially the issues. And it, and it, it sort of sparked something in, in me because I started to pay a lot of attention, uh, more so than I had been, um, because it, it, it seemed that, um, you know, when I did a little bit of research, the numbers were really standing out to me as, as a problem and, and I wanted to understand a little bit more why uh, we, we our road toll numbers and injuries were what they were. And it just became a bit of a pet project, really. Um, and I think uh, also there was there was initially some some people saying, well, you know, why would a race car driver uh, be a right, the right person to talk to as well about this kind of thing? But, you know, the way I saw it was I understand driving, I understand uh, uh, mistakes, when mistakes are made, what the outcomes are, I understand physics of race cars, I understand roads, I understand tyres, grip, dynamics, all this stuff around it, and realised quite quickly that, um, uh, and I, I did know this already, but I hadn't really paid any attention to it, that uh, road users in New Zealand are not prepared uh, well at all um, to be, uh, well, understand what driving safe is on the roads, we really prepare drivers to pass the tests that give them the piece of plastic that makes them legal to drive motor vehicles and uh, on, on the on the roads, and and it became a very a highlight to me very easily, uh, very quickly that that um, you know the the focal points that um, government and I'm talking lots of governments have had on road safety are wrong, and we're focused in the wrong areas. We're not focused on preparation education, training, awareness, uh, risk assessment, you know, all the important things that it takes to actually drive safe on the road are, are not part of the process. It's, it's just about the basics, the lowest of lowest base level of understanding um, and skill set to drive on the road. And so from that point, I've, uh, from that moment, I've been um, advocating to, to get change in that space and I've been a, uh, a part of you know, building a program um, and supporting other programs um, and other very clever people that have spent a lot of time and money, um, uh, their own time and money, trying to get change in the space to actually improve road user, um, you know, road users on the road in motor vehicles. Sure. So with that in mind, you might think that uh, the government dedicating significant resources to reducing the road toll would be something... Um, you'd support, but you've actually been extremely critical of the government's specific strategy. <clears throat> and I'm obviously referring to Road to Zero, this uh, goal to reduce road deaths to zero. Do you think the problem here is that that target is just overly ambitious? Or do you disagree with the concept of a zero death goal entirely? Uh, I, <clears throat> let me let me sort of uh, preface this with, um, we've had road safety strategies in place for forever. Um, we've had uh, governments write road safety strategies, spend millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars, taxpayers' money, for, for decades on strategies. 
Um, and this is just the latest incarnation of, of um, road safety strategy. So uh, Safer Journeys, which was the one previous to this, and then I can't remember the names of all the ones prior, um, basically are, are strategies for, for you know, um, reducing road toll, road safety, you know, it, it, they're massive documents, massive documents. And there's, there's a lot of good and a lot of good ideas and a lot of good theory and, uh, you know, the, they're full of, of a lot of good things. But the implementation of these has been poor forever. Um, the fa- it's, it, they've all failed to deliver um, what they say they were designed to deliver. So straight away, the wastage in that is, is just unbelievable. It, we're talking billions of dollars of wastage um, of taxpayers' money and failed road safety strategies. So the, yeah. the latest one, Road to Zero, which um, just uh, uh, Julian Genta um, was tasked with putting together, has, has a lot of uh, good sort of ideas, again, strategies and things internally inside it. And she was actually good enough to come to a um, delivery day for our Street Smart Driver Training Program in Topol a couple of years ago before the strategy was finalised and before it was released. And, um, and I, I take my hat off to her for that because she's the only person that has, um, you know, really uh, willingly and offered her time um, and taken notice of some of the other things out there when it comes to driver training. And I think she specifically changed a couple of things inside um, Road to Zero to highlight and focus on driver training um, that, that wasn't in there previously. So, so we, were, we were buoyed by that. But um, Road to Zero was then rolled out. Um, the name, personally, yes, we've got to have goals. We need to set goals um, for uh, a road safety strategy. There, no doubt about that. But we are setting ourselves up for failure massively with, with this name, Road to Zero. Because as long as there's road users, as long as there's people on the roads driving vehicles, um, and you have to remember that the majority of accidents, crashes, uh, injuries and death that happen on the road are, are by people making genuine mistakes. They're not by boy races. They're not by, by people, you know, driving excessively fast. Um, um, they are by people just doing things they don't even know they're doing wrong, which comes back to my first point about preparation, awareness, training, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, so while there's, while there's people on the roads and New Zealand is increasing its level of um, people driving vehicles on the road because you know public transport um, and other ways of tra- of travelling are just you know not very good in this country. So we are always going to have road users, going to have people driving cars, trucks, whatever um, on the road. And and while we have that, we are going to have people that do make mistakes and end up having a crash and potentially you know dying. So you know we need strike we need a strategy and we need a plan and we need a focus and a goal. But um, having this zero. Uh, you know, take on it is is just not achievable. And we will down the track, uh, the new safety strategy will be rolled in by another government at some stage with a new name, and this will all be gone and forgotten about. And so I, I think we've uh, they've set themselves up very badly, and now they realise to over two years into um, delivering Road to Zero, they've had zero results and delivered. Um, uh, uh, very, very low on the KPIs that have been set by the Ministry of Transport. And, and so straight away, they're way, way, way behind the eight ball. And, and again, the, the latest road safety strategy is looking like it's going to be a failure before it's even really got going. 
Yes. So I, I want to get into some of your ideas, but first, um, I might just cover off the advertisements that the government's been running, because as far as I can tell, this has been at least the, the first output, if not the only output of the strategy, are these multi-million dollar adverts. So they've spent, even just on two ads, they spent $4.7 million. So some of our listeners will have seen the ad on TV where a family swerves to miss a possum and then dozens of different mechanics and police and so on emerge from the car and claim credit for that family's survival. And then there's the ad with the toll booth where a, a scary looking woman tells a family to literally hand over their smallest child. When you see these expensive ads on TV, what's your reaction? Uh, it really is just massive frustration, um, quite a lot of anger around this, considering how much money has been spent on on promotion of the strategy in such a difficult way to understand. If we go back to the one, the family um, avoid you know, crashing into the barrier to avoid the possum, well, straight away, first and foremost, before anything else, um, if a possum runs out in front of your car, you do not swerve to avoid it. You run the bloody thing over. So, so you don't swerve to avoid a possum, which is a pest in New Zealand, and crash because of it. You run the possum over. So from there, the ad just becomes a complicated mess of terribly put information that is confusing and really so hard to follow and understand. There's no way anyone in New Zealand is going to pay attention or take the time to understand what the hell that even means, right? So straight away, there's, it's just a couple of million dollars tipped down the gurgler. Well, it isn't actually because there's an agency behind all that who's benefited massively from um, a, 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 an incredible budget that was put to make that ad. And um, it makes me cringe because I've been involved in many, many, many ads over uh, my time um, working for various companies and being ambassador for various companies. And I can tell you, um, we've made much better ads than that for a lot less money. So yeah. that, that's my frustration. The one with the toll booth, um, I'll, be, I'll be completely honest, I think that actually works a little bit better. Um, I don't know if it's the right way to go about it um, necessarily, but um, I actually think it's a damn sight better than, than the other two ads, which the other one is actually also the, the talking about reducing speeds around New Zealand, which, um, again, is just a, an incredible spend on something that is not going to deliver a change uh, when it comes to thinking by New Zealand road users in any way, shape or form. But at the end of the day, those, you know, those three ads totaling probably somewhere around $7 million is, is 14,000 young drivers through... Um, um, the the street smart young driver training program that I've been a part of uh, for the last four and a half years, five years. That's fourteen thousand kids getting a day for free, doing practical driving skills in a controlled environment, learning about a whole host of skills and awareness around driving that we know makes a difference in saving lives. Those ads will not make an iota of difference in any way, shape or form. They are just the government trying to inform the public why they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, yeah. of that money. And it's, it's, it's just, it is, it could not be epitomized waste any more than that. 
That's an incredible statistic you just gave with the um, the courses for the young drivers, considering the government all up has budgeted $85 million purely on advertising for the strategy. Oh, uh, and I, I just, I can't, I can't even begin to put words into what that means to me and all the people that um, are out there actively trying to make a change and offer up opportunities and better, you know, better value for money staff um, to get a result in road safety. $86 million is going to be tipped down the gurgler and we, you know, we will get nothing for it. Yeah. So if you were in charge of a budget like that, where would you start in terms of spending? Well, I, I, the, one thing that has been um, uh, released in the last, I think uh, maybe it was last week or the week before, was uh, a strategy um, uh, by the government to to provide better access and supposedly better training to um, uh, more New Zealanders in rural areas and hard-to-reach areas uh, access to getting licences. Now, I, I support that 100%. I mean, we, we are... We are struggling. The um, the you know in uh, everyone that delivers uh, driver training and licensing um, uh, AA um, VTNZ these these organisations that are doing that are, are just um, struggling massively to get uh, that resource out there and support it and supply it to to the communities. So there's a lot of money that uh, that apparently is going to be spent on that, and, and that is a good start for one. But if we continue to uh, allow and give the opportunity to more people to get their driver's license on the base level that we are operating now, um, and so they get they get into the system uh, only knowing as much as what anyone else is knowing or learning to get their licenses. Now we will have a bigger problem in our hands because we are not actually s- supporting them with the skills and the knowledge and all those things that I said before. Um, to be safe on the roads. So that money, we need to be investing that and putting a, a whole lot of money into providing a better level of learning and skill set. So likes of what we offer the schools, uh, Street Smart, and there's other programs out there, there's other people doing amazing work out there that do need more support to, to be able to give, as part of that licensing strategy, um, young drivers uh, a much, much better layer of, of understanding and skill before they are let loose out there on the roads on a restricted license or even on a full license. So that involved, and that, and that is a costly exercise. As I said before, you know, that 7 million would pay for free a day, 14,000 young drivers to go through a practical driving, um, uh, you know, program. And, and so, I mean, that's a significant amount of money. At the moment, we, everyone has to pay for all that kind of stuff. So, therefore, it comes down to what access you do have to resource, clearly, and financial resource to be able to expand upon, uh, from the, the absolute basics of getting a driver's licence. Um, so, that's, that's number one for me, is, is being able to expand nationally um, uh, programmes and, and nationalised programmes, not just what someone you know, believes is the right thing to do. We need to actually sit down and create a template for what is required on, a, on you know, on practical driver training. And one of our issues, well, a big issue that we have for our program is, is being able to del- deliver it in that controlled environment. So, 
you know, uh, um, there's a lot of things that you can't do and can't be taught by just going with your driver trainer um, out on the road. You know, there's a lot of stuff, emergency braking style, um, awareness um, training, uh, lots of things that need to be done in a, in a controlled environment. So we do lack controlled environments. We need more driver training facilities around the country to give better access to um, to every individual that is getting a driver's license. And that's that's my start point. That's the absolute start point. This brings me on to an issue that uh, the Transport Agency is currently consulting on. I don't know if you've seen this, but what they're doing with fees surrounding restricted license tests. So the plan is to increase the price of setting your license for the first time, but then to remove the fee for resitting if you fail. So that's on your restricted. So I'd be keen to hear your thoughts on that. But, but my read on that was that it's a... It's a tax on people who put in the time to practice so that they can pass on the attempt. And it subsidizes those who just take the test over and over again until they fluke it. So restricted tests will become de facto taxpayer-funded driving lessons. Do you, do you have concerns with that? Yeah, I, I do. Um, and, and, it, and it is a tricky, tricky space because I've, I've, I have uh, been made aware of so many young drivers um, who have gone through the you know those phases and, and been on their restricted license, gone for their restricted license test and failed it uh, because of the most ridiculous you know uh, things that they have not quite done right. So in, instant fails on certain things, right and um, and some of them just just seem ludicrous to me. So I don't know if we've actually got, Across the board, a fair and equitable, um, uh, you know, system that where all the trainers that are doing this job, and I don't, I'm not belittling the trainers because it is, it is not a great job. You go put yourselves in the shoes of of those those that are sitting in the passenger seat with young drivers all day, every day. That is not a job that I think. Well, I certainly wouldn't want to be doing it. So I take my hat off to them. But it, it does seem that depending on where you go and sit your license, there is differing. Um, opinions or um, abilities to, to actually pass that test depending on who you've got. So we, there's a bit of work to be done there to even things out and make it um, consistent across the board, um, uh, which I think there might be – some of the statistics would probably change there around who's passing, who's not passing. The test can't, cannot be easy. It, 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 it should not be easy. So you do need to do the work, right, to, to actually go and do the test uh, and pass the test. You do need to do the work. But again, some are restricted on what they have as far as resource, as far as professional driver training lessons um, to actually be prepared to go and pass the test. Some are going and just being with mum and dad, who I can tell you the um, vast majority, well, not the vast majority, but a, a sizable amount of, of uh, mums and dads out there should not be training their kids, right, to drive because their habits and their their lack of, um, you know, knowledge over the years and and um, uh, and the likes has 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 probably meant they're not the best people to be uh, training their their kids to drive. So we, we again find ourselves in a position where some have, some have not. Um, it's it's um, it's an it's an issue that is is everywhere. We we need to be able to provide a much better uh, level playing field for everyone that is going to to go and get their driver's license, so they have the ch same chance to get and learn the same skills and be prepared for these driver tests. So it's it is, and it comes down to money, unfortunately, in many respects. So, so 
I don't think that uh, some people, again, should be, um, you know, being the ones that are propping up the system uh, to allow others to uh, to have another crack at it. I, I think that's a, it's a real challenge to work out the best system there. But increasing the license test cost for the start where, where it's already too high for a lot of people to be able to afford it is not the right way to go about it. Um, I think... Um, resetting the test and having to pay an exorbitant fee is also not the right way to go about it, to, to reset something like that. So that system does need an overhaul, no question. Um, uh, and, and there does need to be more support um, from, from government for that. But also the, the, the opportunity to be prepared before you go to get that test needs to be better for everybody as well. And that's where money needs to go in to provide people with driver, you know, proper driver training lessons and, in my opinion, um, further that with a uh, controlled environment um, program as well, such as Street Smart, to make everyone much more prepared. So funding needs to be put into that to actually support everybody through that process. Yeah. Okay, l lastly, before we go, um, speed limits, and I think we might use the example of the Napier-Taupo Road. Would you like to tell our listeners exactly what the government has done on this road and perhaps you know, describe that road for the benefit of our listeners who don't regularly drive it. Yeah, so State Highway 5 uh, is um, 100 and I think it's 130-odd kilometres of road between uh, the outskirts of Napier and uh, it takes you all the way through to, to Taupo. Um, listen, it's a road that I've been... Uh, very, very um, close to for since I was born. Um, you know, I lived in lived in Hawke's Bay um, and and travelled that road. You know, just hundreds and hundreds of times, and I still do today. I live now in Hawke's Bay again, and I'm on the Napier Topo Road, uh, State Highway Five, uh, a lot. Now, it's it's a road that um, is is quite typical for a lot of roads around New Zealand. It has been you know stereotyped as this dangerous piece of road. Uh, for, for a little while now. Um, and uh, over the years, it's evolved and changed and there's been developments and, and there's been uh, some good work done on that road to, to put in passing lanes and, and the likes. But there are sections of it that, that, you know, like anywhere in New Zealand, need respect. Um, you need to be completely focused, uh, not distracted from, from, from your driving, pay attention. The weather conditions do change a lot on the road. There's, there's, there's lots of trucks on the road. You know, it can be quite busy, um, but it, it demands respect. But it has been labelled, and the media have done a pretty good job of, um, of labelling it this way too, as this, this terribly dangerous piece of, uh, piece of road in, in our roading network in New Zealand. And there has been deaths on it, just like there has been in, in many other places. There's been accidents and crashes and people injured and, 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 and the likes over the years. Um, but uh, it's been highlighted, and it was highlighted by uh, a spate of crashes that, where there was nine deaths um, uh, in, in 12 months. And I, um, now the, the exact time um, escapes me. I think it was through 2019 into 2020, I think it was. Uh, there was nine deaths on the road. Um, and... Uh, at that point, um, NZ NZTA, uh, because of the focus on this, there was focus put on it, um, decided that they needed to make a stand and do something. And so they decided that it needed a speed review. And um, they went about actually reviewing this uh, behind closed doors and used a piece of legislation that allowed them to fast track a speed reduction on on State Highway 5. 
Now, that decision was made, and then they went out for consultation last year uh, to the public. Um, uh, unbeknownst to the public, the decision to change the speed had already been made. So the consultation process was was uh, was was taken um, sort of on false pretenses that we all thought that uh, the uh, the consultation from council, uh, from uh, emergency services, from public, from everybody involved was actually going to determine and play a part in the decision around uh, lowering the speed on that road from from 100 kilometres an hour to 80 kilometres an hour. Subsequently, it came out the other side of the consultation process, which was extended because of the um, uproar from uh, everybody and the amount of cons uh, the amount of submissions that were put forward. Um, the the consultation process process was extended. Um, now, I was obviously involved in that from my own perspective, but also with other groups locally, and it was it was overwhelming that uh, everyone. Um, the community did not, and local communities that live on the road did not want the speed changed. They, what they wanted was um, a refocus on the road itself, uh, the maintenance on the road up until last year, and is still actually ongoing now, and it isn't much better, was abysmal. Um, NZTA dropped the ball massively on on looking after the road, maintaining just general maintenance. There was potholes, there was uh, areas of of the road. The surface was so old; it was it was literally dangerous because it was so slippery. Um, there was just so much damage on the road, and uh, and people made note of this and said, "We want the road. We want uh, more education. We want drivers to be." To be better, we want to provide better uh, your driver training. It's not the road; it's all the other uh, peripheral around it, and it was an overwhelming, you know, feedback. Uh, unfortunately, um, all that was really um, useless because, well, actually, didn't make him didn't make a change or have an effect or an impact because um, NZTA had already made the decision to change change the speed. And when this came out, um, you know, there was again, you know, um, pretty loud kind of noise from a lot of people about this, including truck drivers that drive the road all the time um, who see the problems with the road. And it's not the speed, it's the drivers on the road making mistakes and doing things wrong. So NZTA's idea on this is if we lower the speed, um, then when people crash, there is a better likelihood that they will survive. So if the speed is 80 k's an hour, and, and in some ways I suppose this is hard to argue, but, um, you know, having a crash at 80 k's an hour versus 100 k's an hour isn't determined by that speed necessarily. It's de determined by a lot of other factors. And um, they have just looked at it and said, well, um, we want to lower the speed so that when people crash, there's the opportunity for a better outcome or, you know, there's a good chance it could be a better outcome. Um, not let's spend the time and the money on, on the, all the other things we've spoken about today. So um, there's, that, that, that there's a big challenge around that and, and the thought process around that. And, and I think it was um, uh, not well thought out at all. Um, certainly, they, I think they believe that the process that they went through was actually wrong and um, could have been done a lot better than, than what it was to, uh, to not actually get the attention that it did get, which was mostly, mostly negative. Um, so, you know, that's, that's where their head is at and that's where their space is at. And as I say, I drive that road um, a lot, and there is there is absolutely no question that the majority of that road is as safe as any other piece of road in New Zealand at 100 kilometres an hour. There's no question about that. There are some areas that do need some attention for sure that would make it 
easier, better for people, not necessarily safer, but actually better um, uh, for drivers who, who might find a road like that a little bit more challenging. Um, but, but lowering it to 100 uh, to 80 k's an hour was, was, was a knee-jerk reaction and not well thought out in any way, shape or form. Disturbing if that's in any way indicative of their overall strategy, which it appears to be based on what we're hearing from our supporters in Northland and Cypra who are facing similar speed limit reductions on similar roads. Well, there's, there's just, I mean, they have the money that is being wasted in places. I mean, if you look at, um, you know, and this is not just this government, but previous as well. I mean, the, the over $400 million over budget on Transmission Gully. Um, you know, money that is being tipped away. I mean, there's the the uh, a, a great extension to that transmission gully um, um, through the uh, oh, where is it? Um, Opaki, is it o Otaki? Otaki, sorry. Um, uh, you know, there's that's a picker picker the bypass there going to Otaki. I mean, there's some there's some great bit of road some roading being done at the moment, but. Um, you know, speaking to people on that site last year, uh, where it comes to an end just on the south side of Otaki, um, on the north side, sorry, on the north side of Otaki, comes to an end. You know, there's, there's no plan in place for the next phase of that road. So now the, the bottleneck and the danger is now between Levin and, and Otaki where there's no plan for um, an extension to uh, the motorway there. So, you know, they've spent, again, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars doing uh, up to that point. And speaking to the engineers, I mean, if everyone's going to disappear from that, that site and be gone once that's finished, all the people, all the contractors, everybody that's in that, in that environment, you know, they, they will be gone. And so when someone does finally start that next phase of that roading project up, if it, it's going to cost twice as much as what the last piece cost to actually put it in place because there was no ongoing plan around continuing the infrastructure around that. You know, and it's just so it's short-sightedness. And so the, the wastage of money um, in, this, in this space is just extraordinary. And we should be putting it into places like State Highway 5 and, and these other roads um, you know that that are being looked at low, being lowered to eighty k's an hour. Um, you know where's the where's the ongoing, you know improvements on these? Where's it been? What's happened to it? Why has it all disappeared? And you know you know why should we be having to to be the ones to cop the, you know the yeah. you know these changes because of a lack of, um, you know investment and um, you know short sightedness has basically been a big issue here. Rick, you've articulated so well so many of the concerns that come through to the Taxpayers' Union every day, uh, and thank you for being so generous with your time. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you as well. Appreciate it. The Taxpayer Talk podcast is made possible by the thousands of New Zealanders who financially support the Taxpayers' Union at taxpayers.org.nz. You can find all our episodes on Spotify and other major podcast platforms. Thank you for listening. <laughs>